السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما كتاب الصلاه ان شاء الله today we will begin the abwab that are all with regards to masajid okay masjid the first thing when it comes to the masjid is the cleanliness of the masjid the respect that we have to show to the masjid because it is a place that is dedicated for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is a place where people come to speak to their lord to worship Allah to perform the salah because the main purpose of the masjid is what iqamah salah right and what is salah for wa aqimis salata lidhikri it is when a servant speaks to his lord so because this place is so special this is why it is necessary that it is respected its cleanliness its tidiness is maintained and nothing at all is done there that will stop people from worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala properly over there and this means that we should not do anything of the like over there ourselves and if we see anything that is dirty that is unclean then what should we do remove it bab haqq al-buzaqi bil yadi min al-masjid haqq to scrape off what al-buzaq saliva spit bil yadi with the hand min al-masjid from the masjid buzaq is basically spit what a person spits out and some people they may have excessive spit in their mouths and at times they may have the need to spit it out and this may happen even during salah especially if a person is reciting the quran then it's possible that there's a lot of saliva in the mouth and there is a need to expectorate there is a need to spit it out so in that case if a person sees spit in the masjid let's say on the wall then what should he do leave it no he should remove it even if he cannot find anything to remove it with yes he should use his hand even to scrape it off to remove it because it is not correct that such things should be visible in the masjid and one thing that we should remember is that because it is wiping with the hand this shows that it's not najis and there are other uh, proofs as well which show that it is not najis but even though it's not najis it is still not appropriate that such things are visible in the masjid whether on the wall or the floor etc and this means that if a person sees it then he must remove it even if it means he has to use his hands to do so meaning a person doesn't have to use a tool or you know some cleaning product or some something of the like to remove it anything at all that a person can find he should use in order to remove it حدثنا قتيبة قال حدثنا إسماعيل بن جعفر عن حميد عن أنس أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى نخامة في القبلة he saw نخامة what is نخامة ما يخرج من الصدر what is coughed out what comes out from the mouth meaning that a person may have excessive phlegm in his chest and he may have a cold or something so he coughs out some phlegm so He saw Nukhama fil Qibla, in the Qibla, meaning in the direction of the Qibla, the wall that was in the direction of the Qibla, somebody had spat out in that direction and it was on the wall. And when he saw that, فَشَقَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَيْهِ This was very distressful for him, meaning he found this very distressing. It was very hard on him. حَتَّى رُؤِيَ فِي وَجْهِهِ Until it was seen on his face. He was so distressed that you could see it on his face. فَقَامَ So he got up. فَحَكَّهُ بِيَدِهِ And he wiped it, he scraped it off with his hand. فَقَالَ And he said, إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ Indeed one of you, إِذَا قَامَ فِي صَلَاتِهِ When he is standing in his prayer, فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِي رَبَّهُ Then indeed he is in close conversation with his Lord. Yunaji is from Najwa. And what is Najwa? Private conversation. Whisper. So when one of you is praying, he is whispering to his Lord. Oh, inna rabbahu, or that indeed his Lord, baynahu, between him, wa bayna al-qibla. And between the qibla. Between him and the qibla is who? His Lord. In other words, his Lord is before him. So, فَلَا يَبْزُقَنَّ أَحَدُكُمْ So none of you should spit out in the direction of his qibla. Meaning none of you should spit out 
you know, in the direction of the qibla where he's going to do sajda, in the front basically. None of you should do that. Walakin an yasarihi. But he should do so on his left. Or under his feet. So he should spit where he is standing and he should cover it with his foot. Then he took the side of his shawl and he spat in it. And then he folded part of it over the other. Why? In order to rub it. And he said, Or he should do this. That he should spit in a napkin or something of the sort instead of doing so towards the left or under the feet. Now there is many things that we learn over here. First of all, we learn that it is not allowed for a person to spit in the direction of the qibla. You might say that, well, nobody does that today, but there are many people around the world who do this. In some cultures, it's considered very rude, and in many cultures, it is completely acceptable, which is why in some countries you go to where people have a habit of chewing certain things all the time in their mouths, you will see them spitting right, left, and center all the time because of the things that they're chewing in their mouths, they produce extra saliva. And because of that reason, they are spitting all the time. So it is inappropriate to spit in front of you. It is inappropriate to spit in front of you. And this is especially during salah that a person is not allowed to spit in the direction of the qibla. Why? Because this is su'ul adab with Allah. It is extremely bad manners that a person will show before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about it. Would one of us like that someone is facing us, talking to us in the spit in our direction? Even if it doesn't reach us, would we like it? We would never like it. So how can we like that for Allah Azza wa Just to see somebody spitting, even in a garbage can or something, but if it's done publicly, it is something that disturbs you, right? That, that you do not like. So imagine somebody doing it towards you, in your direction, even if it doesn't fall on you. But it's extreme disrespect. So the Prophet ﷺ taught the people that do not do this because your Lord is before you. And what alternate did he give? Because if a person has the need to spit, he has the need to spit. So he taught an alternate. And this is something that we have to remember. When we stop somebody from doing something, then we have to give them an alternate, another option. That what should they do? Because realize that there is a need for them to do this. Right? A person may have a cold. Right? They may have flu. They may have the need to spit. Some people, their mouths produce extra saliva. So they may have the need to do so. So don't just look down on people. Rather, teach them what to do. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ did. What option did he give? That if you have to do so on your left. But who will do that? Who will do that? The person who doesn't have anybody standing on his left. So basically the person who's standing at the end of the saf. Okay? Towards the left of the imam. Because if he's standing in the middle and there are people on his left side, then he'll be spitting on people in their direction. And that's inappropriate as well. And if that's not possible, that somebody's standing on your left, then in that case, what should be done? Then a person should do so under his feet. Why? So that when he will do that, he will cover it with his feet or he will rub it with his feet. Now this is only possible where the floor is, what? Of sand or there's pebbles on it. Okay, so it's basically unfinished, you can say. You're praying on the ground. So in that case, a person will will spit on the ground. But if there's carpet, or if the floor is such, even if it's wood, or laminate, or whatever, what has to be done? You don't spit on the floor in that case. Then what's the other option? The third option was that a person should spit in his clothes. And the Prophet ﷺ demonstrated to the people. So if a person should be proactive and keep a napkin, a tissue or something like that, a handkerchief, you know, in his sleeve, and take that out and spit in it, blow in it, instead of blowing in the clothes. Because some people might find that difficult to see as well. So you have to see what is culturally acceptable. So three options the Prophet ﷺ gave over here. Another thing that we learn in this hadith is that all of the... Uh, bodily excretions, except for obviously urine and stool and menstrual blood and so on. What we know is is najis. Everything else besides that is tahir. Right? Because the Prophet ﷺ said, spit it out where? Towards the left or under the feet or in your clothes. And if your spit, if the phlegm was not tahir, then he would not allow that. I mean, yes, definitely you don't like it. Right? But is it tahir or najis? We have to know. 
Right? So we learn from this that it is tahir. Likewise, the sweat of a person, likewise the oil that may come out of a person's hair or their skin, all of that is tahir. Thirdly, we see that the Prophet ﷺ showed how that he spat in his the edge of his shawl and he rubbed it one part over the other, closed it, folded it in to teach the people because sometimes visuals are better. Some people are visual learners. And even if they are not visual learners, visuals are always a big help in learning, in memorization. So the Prophet ﷺ showed it to the people. So likewise, if we have to show something to some people, don't hesitate in that. Then we see that تَغْيِرُ munkar bil yad That the Prophet ﷺ changed the munkar, right? that which was wrong with his hand, that he scraped it off with his own hand. He didn't wait for somebody else to do it. He didn't tell somebody else to clean it. Rather, he used his own hand to remove the munkar. Because he said, مَنْ رَآ مِنْكُمْ مُنْكَرًا فَلْيُغَيِّرْهُ بِيَدِهِ That whichever of you, whoever of you sees something wrong, then he should change it with his hands. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ did as well. So likewise, if we see something that should not be there in the masjid, a dirty tissue, a scrap piece of paper, then what should we do? Pick it up ourselves. Then another thing we see over here is that the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِ رَبَّهُ أَوْ إِنَّ رَبَّهُ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْقِبْلَةِ That indeed his Lord is between him and his Qibla. Now what does this mean? We learn in the Qur'an, فَأَيْنَ مَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ Wherever you turn, there is the face of Allah. This, remember, it does not contradict the ulu of Allah. Ulu is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high above, meaning He is on His arsh. So this does not contradict that. Because some people, they misunderstand this and they say, see, Allah is everywhere. Remember that this concept that God is everywhere, that God is omnipresent, this is a Christian belief. This is not a Muslim belief. This is not something that is taught by the Qur'an and Sunnah. We don't believe that Allah is everywhere. Because if a person would say that, that would mean He is, I mean, na'udhu billah, in your house, in front of you, limited to a specific spot. We can't say that. We should not say that. There are places on this earth which are clean. There are places on this earth which are not clean. Right? There are places which are high and places which are very low. So we cannot say this, that Allah is everywhere. Then what does it mean? Because in the Quran also we learn, His kursi is as vast as the heavens and the earth. And that's just the footstool of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how can you say that Allah is before you? But in the hadith we see that his Lord is between him and the Qibla. How do we understand this? We understand this as that if this is possible for creation, that something is high yet before you, then it is even more possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How? How is it possible for the creation? If a person were to face the sun when it is rising or setting, has it ever happened to you? Have you ever faced the sun? maybe at the beach as it is rising or setting, then it seems as if it is right before you. It seems as if it is right before you. But in reality, where is the sun? Where is it? Up in the sky. So likewise, it is very much possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be above His arsh and be before us. So how do we understand this? That He is before the musalli while He is still on the arsh. He is before the musalli while he is still on the arsh. And it is very much possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The incorrect belief is that Allah is physically present everywhere, but the correct belief is that with his knowledge, his attributes, he has encompassed everything. That nothing is beyond his knowledge, nothing is beyond his samr, his basar, nothing is beyond his qudra, everything he has encompassed. When we say, Allahu wasi'un, that Allah is vast. What does it mean? That He encompasses everything with all His attributes. Secondly, remember that the khaliq should not be compared with the makhluk. That this is a limitation of the creation. That they cannot be before you and yet be high. Like it's not possible for every creation, right? But it is possible for Allah. So let's not compare the creation with the creator. And thirdly, remember this is of the mutashabi. And we don't need to go into that much detail. Let's focus on what the Prophet ﷺ was conveying to us. And what was that? That when Allah is before you, 
when Allah is before you, He's paying attention to you, He's watching you, listening to you, then you show respect to Him. And if you remember this during your salah, believe me, your salah will be much better. If you're struggling with khushur, always remember that my Lord is between me and the qibla. My Lord is between me and the qibla. And immediately you will feel that embarrassed to not pay attention. It will really help you focus. That Allah Azza wa Jal is looking at you, watching you, listening to you, paying attention to you. So if He is paying attention to me, why shouldn't I pay attention to Him? You know, we learn that when a person is praying that Allah, He pays attention to Him. And when a person looks here and there, right, once, twice, then Allah also looks away from Him. This is iltifat, right? Looking here and there. One is iltifatul basar and the other is iltifat of the qalb. One is to look here and there with your eyes and the other is to, you know, to, to think about various things, to be distracted. So when we get distracted, then Allah will also not pay attention to us. Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm trying my best to make myself aware that I'm standing in front of Allah. But right there, I say, Astaghfirullah, Ya Allah, Samihni. Forgive me, O Allah. And then I continue. Is that allowed? Sometimes this happens. Yeah, that you lose focus, you you get distracted. So immediately you seek forgiveness from Allah and continue your prayer. You don't have to verbally say it. Even in your heart you can say it. Say, A'udhu Billah. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى بصاقا في جدار القبلة That the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم he saw بصاق What is بصاق? Same as بزاق بزاق, بصاق are both the same They're two لغات So he saw some sputum in the wall of the قبلة فحكه then he scraped it off ثم أقبل على الناس then he came to the people فقال and he said إذا كان أحدكم يصلي when one of you is praying فلا يبصق قبل وجهه then he should not spit in the direction of his wedge meaning he should not spit before him in front of him فإن الله قبل وجهه إذا صلى because indeed Allah is in front of him when he is praying حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن هشام بن عروة عن أبيه عن عائشة أم المؤمنين أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى في جدار القبلة مخاطا that the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم he saw in the wall of the qibla meaning the wall that was in the direction of the qibla what? مخاطا أو بصاقا أو نخامة فحكه then he scraped it off now what is this مخاط بصاق نخامة it's basically the same thing with slight differences. It is said that mukhat is the mucus, busaq is you can say saliva, and nukhama is what is coughed out. So essentially if you think about it, it's the same thing. Whether there's mucus in it or not, whether it comes out of the mouth or the nose, whatever it is, it's not nice to see this on the wall. So if it's there, the Messenger ﷺ, he scraped it off with his hand. Bab hakil min al masjid. Scraping off mucus from the mosque using stones or pebbles. That one is that it's soft. So you can just wipe it off, right, with your hand or remove it with the hand and then wash your hand. But if that's not possible, it's dry and it has become hard, it's become solid, so it's old. Even that is not right. So using pebbles to scrape it off. You see, sometimes there's something dirty, something filthy that has stained the wall. Not just stained, but there's also like it's physically present whether it's some food or that has dried, caked to the surface. So don't just ignore it, don't leave it just because it's caked. No, that should be removed as well. Even if it means you have to take something in order to scrape it off. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he scraped it with his hand. In other narrations, we learned that he used rocks in order to scrape it off. Because the thing is that he could not stand munkar. He could not stand munkar. If he saw it, he would change it. Because when a person becomes sensitive, right, then every wrong thing bothers him and he cannot tolerate it. Why is it that some women, they're so particular about the way dishes are washed? Some people, what do they do? They just rinse it in water basically and put it in, in the dish rack to dry up. And other women, no, they will take a sponge and they will put soap on it. Every dish they will wash properly. And if a dish does not come out super clean from the dishwasher, they'll put it in again. They will leave it to soak and then they will put it in again. Why? Because one person is sensitive towards the cleanliness and the other person is not. So some people, they're very sensitive when it comes to munkar. They cannot stand it, whether it's on the wall or the floor, right? Whether 
they know who did it or they don't know who did it, whatever it is, they cannot stand it. So they will remove it. That today people may not spit out saliva, but they do spit out their gums. The chewing gum that they chew and they put it under the table or stick it on the wall or put it under the chairs. First of all, chewing something like this, that a person's mouth is constantly moving in itself is something that's not appropriate. Right? That a person's mouth is constantly moving just for the sake of taste, just for the sake of pleasure. You know, one is that a person takes a mint or something like that, chews it for some time and then gets rid of it. And the other is that people have gum in their mouths all the time, constantly. Two hour, three hour class and they're sitting with their mouths moving constantly. It's bad for the health first of all, right? Secondly, in order to get rid of it, if people are sticking it under the table, I remember once somebody stuck it on somebody's hair. I remember as a child, I saw it. And it was so distressful for that person, they had to cut off their hair. They had to cut off their hair. Imagine from the middle, how terrible. We really have to become careful about this. Sometimes it's the masjid carpet. You'll see these black stains that you can't even remove because it's chewing gum. We have to stay conscious. So first of all, let's avoid these things ourselves. And secondly, if we see it, Let's put in the effort to clean it, whether it's with the hand or using some cleaning products or whatever. Because the thing is that when a place is kept clean, then you know what happens? People who come from outside, they automatically maintain the cleanliness. Isn't it so? But if the place is not clean, then what will happen? People who come from outside, they make it worse. Whatever the culture is, people will maintain that. Unfortunately, even here under the benches or under the table, sometimes these things are found. So it's extremely disturbing. And we will learn about it. It's actually a sin to spit in the masjid. And a spit is something that will eventually dry off and eventually it will be removed. But gum, that whenever we find it difficult to remove something like this from the masjid, that we feel that it's too dirty and I don't deserve to do this. Somebody else should do it. The people who are paid to do this kind of job, they should do it. Let's remember the Messenger wasallam. He did it with his hand. He used pebbles and he's better than me. If he can do it, then I need to do it too. And we don't bother to do it because we believe we're too busy. That he didn't ask somebody else to do it, rather he did it himself. So, حَكِّ الْمُخَاطِبِ الْحَصَى مِنَ الْمَسْجِدِ وَقَالَ ابْنُ عَبَّاسٍ And Ibn Abbas said, إِنْ وَطِئْتَ عَلَى قَذَرٍ If you walk on قَذَر وَطِئْتَ وَلَا يَطَؤُونَ مَوْطِئًا If you walk on قَذَر What is قَذَر? Something dirty, filthy, that is ratbin, that is wet, فَغْسِلْهُ Then wash it. وَإِنْ كَانَ يَابِسًا And if it happens to be dry, فَلَا Then do not. Meaning then you don't have to wash it. Imam Bukhari writes this as part of the chapter heading to show that spitting out mucus and the like in the masjid is wrong. Why? Because of the harm that it causes others. Because if a person were to have contact with what is wet, then he has to wash it off. Right? So you're harming somebody. They're going to suffer because of what we did. So this is why it's not correct to spit out in the masjid, whether it's mucus, phlegm, saliva, whatever it is, it is not correct because it's going to harm other people. But the greater reason for its prohibition is what? Ihtiram al-qibla. To show respect to the qibla. Because people do not have to wash off what is dry, but from the masjid what is dry has to be scraped off. حدثنا موسى بن إسماعيل قال أخبرنا إبراهيم بن سعد أخبرنا ابن شهاب عن حميد بن عبد الرحمن أن أبا هريرة وأبا سعيد حدثاه both of them narrated that أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى نخامة في جدار المسجد that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saw نخامة فلم on the wall of the masjid فتناول حصات so he took some he obtained some rocks and pebbles فَحَكَّهَا and then he scraped it off with those pebbles فَقَالَ then he said إِذَا تَنَخَّمَ أَحَدُكُمْ when one of you spits فَلَا يَتَنَخَّمَنَّ then he should not spit قِبَلَ وَجِهِ in front of him وَلَا عَنْ يَمِينِهِ nor on his right وَلْيَبْسُقْ عَنْ يَسَارِهِ rather he should spit on his left أو تَحْتَ قَدَمِهِ الْيُسْرَى or under his left foot why under the foot? so that it's not visible and so that a person can rub it with his foot or his shoe, sandal, whatever it is, and it will be buried. It will be wiped off. Bab la yabsuq an yaminihi fi And also remember that 
the Prophet ﷺ said he should spit on his left. Why? Because left is for other. Okay? Like you clean, you wipe with the left hand, not with the right hand. Right has to be honored, whether it's your right hand or the right side, but the left is, you know, for other. So for that reason, spit on the left. Likewise, if a person is blowing their nose, do so with the left hand. Okay? Which is why in, in wudu, when we're cleaning our nose, which hand should be used? Left. And even if we're using a tissue or something to blow the nose, use the left hand. Likewise, if we're coughing or sneezing and we have to go off to the side, then do that with your left arm, not the right. Because, you know, you're coughing or sneezing on your right side in the same hand you're using, you know, to greet somebody. Even if you used your arm, still, you know, nobody would like to shake your hand immediately after you've coughed in its direction. Yes, it's the same incident. Might be different, but we see that it's very similar. And there are numerous narrations of this. As you will see, that the next few abwab use basically the exact same hadith, but different wordings and different chain of narration. It means that many people witnessed it and many people narrated it. When you have so many narrations, what does it show? That many people witnessed it and they remembered it and they narrated it. And it shows how important that incident was. How seriously the Sahaba took it. It's not necessary. Allahu A'lam. باب لا يبسق عن يمينه في الصلاة Not spitting to the right during the prayer. And some scholars believed that this prohibition extended to outside of salah as well. Not just in salah, but outside of salah as well, that a person should not spit on his right. Rather, he should spit towards his left. So even if, let's say a person is in the shower and they have the need to spit, they should do so on the left. Outside of salah, if a person has the need to blow their nose, they should do that. Towards the left. It's an etiquette that should be observed. Likewise, it's not just limited to the masjid. It's supposed to be observed outside of the masjid as well. This is the etiquette. Because we see that Ibn Mas'ud anhu, he disliked to spit on his right, even outside the salah. Likewise, Mu'ad bin Jabal, he said, مَا بَصَقْتُ عَنْ يَمِينِ مُنذُ أَسْلَمْتُ I have not spat on my right side since I have become Muslim. Likewise, Umar bin Abdul Aziz, he prohibited his son from doing this, you know, from spitting on, on the right side. This is something that is rude, that, that is not appropriate. حدثنا يحيى بن بكير قال حدثنا الليث عن عقيل عن ابن شهاب عن حميد بن عبد الرحمن أن أبا هريرة وأبا سعيد أخبراه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى نخامة في حائط المسجد. The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم saw نخامة in the wall of the masjid فتناول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حصاة فحتها. He took some rocks and he scraped it off. ثم قال إذا تنخم أحدكم فلا يتنخم قبل وجهه ولا عن يمينه وليبصق عن يساره أو تحت قدمه اليسرى. Not on the right but on the left or under the foot. حدثنا حفص بن عمر قال حدثنا شعبة قال أخبرني قتادة قال سمعت أنسا قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يتفلن أحدكم بين يديه ولا عن يمينه None of you should spit before him nor on his right side ولكن عن يساره rather on his left أو تحت رجله or under his foot Now you see that all of these lessons we could learn from the first hadith that Imam Bukhari mentioned with regards to this topic that we see that each point has been mentioned separately in a separate bab, and a hadith has been mentioned. Although it's the same hadith, but with different chain and different wording. Because remember that this book is not just a book of fiqh, it's primarily a book of hadith, in which the most authentic hadith Imam Bukhari collected. So learn the message of the hadith, we also learn the various narrations, various authentic narrations. That using the tissue to blow your nose, first of all, don't blow in front of you while you're talking to somebody. Right? Because some people, what they do is they're facing other people, talking to them, they take a tissue and they start blowing their nose in front of others. It doesn't sound nice, it doesn't look nice. If you really have to do it, then turn on your left and do it there. Turn on your left and then blow your nose. Like Don't do it in front of somebody's face. And then when we've done it, then let's not Throw the tissue anywhere, but rather discard it properly. And if there is an accident, like a person accidentally drops it, it may happen. Right? We give people benefit of the doubt, husnul 
that nobody deliberately threw it in the masjid. It was an accident. So if we see it, let's pick it up, throw it, wash your hands. Bab لِيَبْزُقْ عَنْ يَسَارِهِ أَوْ تَحْتَ قَدَمِهِ الْيُسْرَى Spitting to the left or under the left foot. Or under the left foot. حَدَّثَنَا آدَمُ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا شُعْبَةُ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا قَتَادَةُ قَالَ سَمِعْتُ أَنَا سَبْنَ مَالِكٍ قَالَ قَالَ نَبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ إِنَّ الْمُؤْمِنَ إِذَا كَانَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ He said, indeed the believer, when he is in the prayer, فَإِنَّمَا يُنَاجِي رَبَّهُ Then indeed he is whispering to his Lord. He is in close conversation with him. فَلَا يَبْزُقَنَّ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَلَا عَنْ يَمِينِهِ So he should not spit in front of him, nor on his right. وَلَكِنْ عَنْ يَسَارِهِ أَوْ تَحْتَ قَدَمِهِ But he should spit on his left or under his foot. So we see there is a command over here. He said he should spit on his left or under his foot. So where it is not allowed to spit on the right, a person has been commanded to spit on the left or under the foot. And that will obviously be when it is appropriate. حدثنا آدم قال حدثنا شعبة قال حدثنا قتادة قال سمعت أنس بن مالك قال قال نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن المؤمن إذا كان في الصلاة Indeed the believer when he is in the prayer فإنما يناجي ربه He is whispering to his Lord فلا يبزقن بين يديه ولا عن يمينه So he should not spit in front of him nor on his right ولكن عن يساره أو تحت قدمه rather on his left or under his foot حدثنا علي قال حدثنا سفيان حدثنا الزهري عن حميد بن عبد الرحمن عن أبي سعيد أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أبصر he saw نخامة في قبلة المسجد he saw phlegm or mucus in the direction of the masjid meaning in the qibla of the masjid right where the qibla was فَحَكَّهَا بِحَصَاتٍ He scraped it off with some pebbles. ثُمَّ نَهَا Then he forbade أَنْ يَبْزُقَ الرَّجُلُ That a man should spit بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ before him أو عَنْ يَمِينِهِ or on his right. وَلَكِنْ عَنْ يَسَارِهِ أو تَحْتَ قَدَمِهِ الْيُسْرَى Rather on his left or his left foot. Now again, not just any foot, but a left foot. وَعَنِ الزُّهْرِيِّ سَمِعَ حُمَيْدًا عَنْ أَبِي سَعِيدٍ نَحْوَهُ Bab kafaratil buzaqi fil masjid. The expiation for spitting in the mosque. Kafara. What is kafara for? What is kafara, by the way? Expiation, right? Something that will wipe off, remove, do away with what? A sin or something wrong that has happened. Like, for example, if a person pronounces the words of lihar on his wife, then he has to give kafara. Likewise, if a person swears an oath and then he breaks it, then he has to give kafara. So when something wrong happens, whether it's haram or not, that's a different story. Because zihar is haram, but swearing an oath is not haram, right? So whether something haram has been done or not, when it is wrong, then kafara has to be given. Murder also, right? There's kafara for it. So imagine kafaratil buzaqi fil masjid, expiation for spitting in the mosque. حدثنا آدم قال حدثنا شعبة قال حدثنا قتادة قال سمعت أنس بن مالك قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said البزاق في المسجد خطيئة وكفارتها دفنها He said spitting in the masjid is a wrong action It is a خطيئة, a sin وكفارتها and its expiation is دفنها to bury it What does it show? Tahreem of Buzaq fil Masjid, the prohibition of spitting in the masjid. That it is something that a person should not do. That if a person needs to spit, he should not be spitting on the wall or the floor of the masjid. Right? He should not be doing that. If he has to do it, he should go outside the masjid. He should go to the washroom. And if he has to do it, there is a need. Let's say a person is in salah and there is a need. Then what should he do? What the Prophet ﷺ taught. And of the options that he gave, the three options, what's the best option? That a person should do so in his own clothes or in a napkin or something so that he can wash it off later. But what is on the left, if it ends up on the wall or the floor, or you do it under your feet, you know, you're doing it on the floor of the masjid where people are walking. Maybe somebody has to do sujood over there. So some scholars said that it is not allowed to spit in the masjid at all. And if you have to do it, of the three options, what should you adopt? In your own clothes. So that you deal with it later. It's your excretion and you should deal with it. 
not that you are spitting and other people have to suffer because of you. So it shows tahrim that a person should not spit like this in the masjid and if it has to be done, he should do it on his own clothes and if he is not able to do that, then he should cover it and remove it afterwards. Now the question is, why is it a khati'ah? Why is it such a big deal? It's only spit. It's not even najis. It harms other people. It annoys other people. It's a khati'ah because it harms others. It disturbs them, disgusts them. Right? Ibn Abbas said, if it's wet, then you wash it. Somebody is going to have to suffer because of us, right? They have to go wash their clothes, wash their feet, wash their hands, whatever it is. It's bothered them. And who is Muslim? Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadi. Right? If we harm other people, however big or small that harm is, it is a khati'ah. So this is the reason why it is a khati'ah. And secondly, it's a khati'ah. Why? Because disrespect to the masjid. What do we learn? وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ Ibrahim a.s. Ismail a.s. What were they told? طَهِّرَ بَيْتِي Clean my house. So the masjid has to be kept clean. Imagine there's so much emphasis on tahara. When it comes to ibadah, you have to have clean clothes. Your body has to be clean. Take ghusl or wudu, whatever is required. Right? Depending on the state of the person. And the place where a person is praying, that also has to be clean. So, this is why it's a khati'ah if a person violates the cleanliness, disturbs that cleanliness, even if it's very slight. And in Musnad Ahmad, there is a narration, a hadith, that مَن تَنَخَّمَ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ فَلْيُغِيبُ نُخَامَتَهُ أَن تُصِيبَ جِلْدِ مُؤْمِنْ أَوْ ثَوْبِهِ فَتُؤْذِيهِ Whoever spits in the masjid, then he should cover it, lest it ends up on the skin of a believer or his clothes and annoys him. So if he has to spit, he should cover it with pebbles or sand or mud. Why? Because it will reach the skin of a person or his clothes and it will bother him. First of all, a person should not spit. He should try his best not to do that when he's in the masjid. Secondly, if he must, if he has to, then what should he do? Cover it. And that is its kafara. That's what the hadith tells us. Right? وَكَفَّارَتُهَا دَفْنُهَا But remember that that is only possible when covering it will, you can say remove it. And that is only possible when the floor is unfinished. But if there is carpet or wood, then you don't just cover it with a tissue and leave that tissue over there. Then what's the kafara? Picking it up and getting rid of it. Likewise, scholars have said that if the ground is, let's say, unfinished, but the nukhama itself is very big and the pebbles are small and they don't cover it sufficiently, then what should be done? It should be picked up and thrown away. Not that the person covers it slightly because somebody will step on it and and be annoyed. So in that case, it should be the kafara for it is picking it up and throwing it away. So what do we learn from this? That tawbah is what? Tawbah is what? Hmm? Or rather kafara is what? That the wrong that has been done, it is removed. It is removed. Not that we laugh over it later and say, Astaghfirullah. Because there are many things that we do which are wrong, and then later on we just laugh it off and say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. No, that's not kafara, that's not tawbah. Tawbah is what? The harm that was caused, the wrong that was done, remove it. So, kafaratuha dafnuha. And some scholars have said that it is an evil action. It is a wrong action to spit in the masjid. Like, even though there is kafara for it, still you should not do it at all. Kafara is for the one who cannot help it. It should not be done at all. In a hadith we learned, which is in Muslim, Abu Dhar anhu, he said, وَوَجَدْتُ That the Prophet ﷺ said, وَوَجَدْتُ فِي That and I have found amongst the evil actions of my ummah, أَنُّخَعَةَ تَكُونُ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ لَا تُدْفَنْ The phlegm that is in the masjid and is not... Buried. It is of the evil actions of the ummah. The phlegm that is in the masjid that is not covered. Today we might not have this, but we might have other forms, right? Of things that should not be there in the masjid. That are left, not removed, not cleaned. And the sahaba took this matter so seriously. We learned Abu Ubaidah bin al-Jarrah, radiallahu anhu. Once he spat in the masjid during the night. He must have had the need to do so. 
and he must have done it with the intention of removing it later on. But he forgot about it until he reached home. When he got home, he remembered that he had spat in the masjid and he did not cover it, he did not remove it. So he took some fire so that he could have light and he went to the masjid and looked for it, searched for it. And he found it and he buried it. And he said, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah alladhi lam yaktub alayya khati'ati al-layla. Alhamdulillah that tonight a sin was not written for me. A sin was not written for me. So if we remember later on that we left something dirty in the masjid, we stained the masjid, we made it dirty somehow, then what should we do? Kafara. Go and clean it up. Accidents happen. You know, it may happen that you're having coffee or water or a drink or something and it spills accidentally. Then what should you do? Just stare at it and say, Astaghfirullah and pretend that you didn't do anything. No. Clean it. Clean it like you would do so in your own house. Right? But unfortunately, some of us are so insensitive towards this that we see such things in our own houses even and we don't care about it. So be sensitive towards this matter because it's a sin to dirty the masjid. masjid. Burying phlegm in the masjid. And this would be when the ground is unfinished, there is pebble, sand. حدثنا إسحاق بن نصر قال حدثنا عبد الرزاق عن معمر عن همام سمع أبا هريرة عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا قام أحدكم إلى الصلاة When one of you stands up to pray فلا يبسق أمامه Then he should not spit in front of him فإنما يناجي الله ما دام في مصلاه Because he is conversing with Allah as long as he is in the prayer ولا عن يمينه Nor towards his right why? فَإِنَّ عَنْ يَمِينِهِ مَلَكًا Because on his right is an angel. وَلْيَبْسُقْ عَنْ يَسَارِهِ So he should spit on his left أو تَحْتَ قَدَمِهِ Or under his foot فَيَدْفِنُهَا So his foot will bury it. Now what do we learn over here? That the Prophet ﷺ said not spit on the right. Why? Because on the right is an angel. But what do we learn? Angels are on the right and the left. عَنِ الْيَمِينِ وَعَنِ الشِّمَالِ an angel on the right and the angel on the left. So what does it mean? Why is it that he said spit on the left and not the right? Because the angel on the right, what does he do? Good deeds, right? He records good deeds. He's katibul hasanat, the writer of good deeds. And salah is ummul hasanat al-badaniyya. It is the mother of physical, bodily good deeds, meaning it's the best of them. The best deed that you could do with your body, the best good deed is what? Salah. So, when you're praying, the angel on the right is busy. Right? He is recording everything. And the angel on the left, the katibu sayyat, he has no share. He's not doing anything at that time. So, it's as though he's not there. Not that we know for sure he's not there. Allahu alam. But it's as if he is not there. Because he's not doing anything. He has no share in the salah. So, he has no share in the salah basically. The one who has a share in the salah, the one who is busy with the salah is which one? The angel on the right. So this is the reason why uh, one should not spit on the right, but rather on the left. And besides, the one on the right is recording good deeds. So he deserves honor and respect. In At-Tabarani, there is a narration which says, فَإِنَّهُ يَقُومُ بَيْنَ يَدَيِ اللَّهِ وَمَلَكُهُ عَنْ يَمِينِهِ وَقَرِينُهُ عَنْ يَسَارِهِ that the person is standing before Allah and the angel is on his right and the qareen is on the left. Who is the qareen? Shaytan. So perhaps both the angels come on the right and the shaytan is on the left trying to whisper, distract the person. And this is the reason why we have been taught that if we have constant waswasa during the salah, then we should spit on the left three times. Because the shaytan is on the left. So spit on the shaytan, not the angel. And others have said that the angel here does not refer to the katib or the hafil. It's not the kiraman katibin, it's some other angel. Allahu a'lam. Bab, إِذَا بَدَرَهُ الْبُزَاقُ فَلْيَأْخُذْ بِطَرَفِ ثَوْبِهِ إِذَا بَدَرَهُ What? Al-buzaqu. Badara is when something is rushing. So when the buzaq, when the phlegm is rushing a person, meaning it's just coming, a person cannot control it. Because what we learn is the proper etiquette is that a person should not spit in the masjid at all. Why? Because it's a sin. He should avoid it. But 
if he cannot help it. He cannot control it. It's coming too quickly. He doesn't have any option but to let it out. Then in that case, فَلْيَأْخُدْ بِطَرَفِ سَوْبِهِ Then he should do so into the end of his garment. Why? So that he will wash it afterwards. He should not have other people suffer because of him. And in that case, when you know that you have a cold, you know, a cough, you're congested, then be prepared from before. That during the salah, keep a tissue or something in your sleeve so that during the salah you're not constantly sniffling and, you know, worrying yourself. Because sometimes it happens that if you're not prepared for it and you have a need to blow your nose, then how will you pray with concentration? You can't. You will either rush through your salah, right, or be completely distracted during the salah. So in that case, be prepared from before. And this also shows to us that during the salah, if a person has to blow the nose, cough out, then this does not break the salah or ruin it. It does not corrupt your salah. It's perfectly fine to do so. حدثنا مالك بن إسماعيل قال حدثنا زهير قال حدثنا حميد عن أنس أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى نخامة في القبلة. The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم saw نخامة in the direction of the Qibla فحكها بيده and he scraped it off with his hand ورؤية منه كراهية. And it was seen from him كراهية meaning dislike was seen أو رؤية كراهية or his dislike was seen. Either dislike was seen on his face or his dislike for it was seen. لذلك, because of that. وَشِدَّتُهُ عَلَيْهِ And his extreme annoyance, you can say, over it. وَقَالَ And he said, إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ إِذَا قَامَ فِي صَلَاتِهِ When one of you is standing in prayer, فَإِنَّمَا يُنَاجِ رَبَّهُ Then indeed he is in close conversation with his Lord. أَوْ رَبُّهُ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ قِبْلَتِهِ Or his Lord is between him and his قِبْلَ فَلَا يَبْزُقَنَّ فِي قِبْلَتِهِ So he should not spit in the direction of the Qibla, وَلَكِنْ عَنْ يَسَارِهِ أَوْ تَحْتَ قَدْمِهِ باب عظة الإمام الناس في إتمام الصلاة وذكر القبلة عظة What is عظة? From موعظة Warning, advice, admonition So the imam advising or warning الناس of the people concerning what? في إتمام الصلاة With regards to perfecting the prayer meaning performing the prayer properly, correctly وذكر القبلة and mentioning the قبلة meaning can the imam advise and warn people to perform their prayer properly when they're not doing so? Or should it be said that no, every person's salah is for himself and the imam has nothing to do with the prayer of the other people. He should just be worried about his own prayer and not tell other people. No, the imam should. The leader should. Likewise, if you are conducting a session and some people are doing what they're supposed to and other people are not, do you have the right to advise them? Or should people say, no, it's a free world? There's freedom of speech. Right? So I should have the freedom to do whatever I want and say. And you cannot impose such harsh rules on us. Hmm? No. The imam can advise people. And in fact, he should. وَذِكْرِ qibla And mentioning the qibla. Why? To emphasize its importance. Right? To remind the people to face the qibla. Like for example, at the beginning of the prayer, the imam says, straighten your rows. Stand shoulder to shoulder, foot to foot. And sometimes you will see that certain imma they pay a lot of attention to this. They will keep saying it until the rows are straightened. And some people don't give too much attention to this. So should attention be given to this? Yes, it should be. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن أبي الزنادي عن الأعرج عن أبي هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said, هَلْ تَرَوْنَ Do you all see, meaning do you all think, that qiblati, my qibla, هَهُنَا is this way? Do you think that I'm just facing this way? So if I'm facing this way, I can only see this way? Meaning in front of me? It's a rhetorical question basically. هَلْ تَرَوْنَ qiblati هَهُنَا You think that my qibla is just this? I'm only facing this direction so I can only see what is before me? فَوَاللَّهِ so by Allah, مَا يَخْفَى عَلَيَّ It is not hidden to me. What? خُشُوعُكُمْ Your خُشُوع وَلَا رُكُوعُكُمْ Nor your ruku'. In other words, I see your khushur and I see your ruku'. I know, I see how you're performing your prayers. 
indeed I see you min from behind my back. I see you from behind my back. So don't think that just because I'm facing this way, I cannot see you and you can pray however you want. Now there is a couple of things over here. First of all, if we hear a person advising us like this, that you think I can't see you? I can see you. I know what you're doing. What do we think? That it is as though a person is instilling his fear in your heart. Right? And, and what do we say? No, you know what? I don't fear you. I fear Allah. Before you, Allah is watching me. And unfortunately, مَا لَكُمْ لَا تَرْجُونَ لِلَّهِ وَقَارَ You have no respect for Allah and we do such things in front of Allah. While knowing that Allah is watching us, we do whatever we want to. But we feel that if a person is telling us, I'm watching you, they want that we should fear them. Is this shirk? No. Because we are human beings. We know that Allah is watching us. But sometimes having, realizing that other people are watching us, that makes us more careful and alert. Like for example, parents, they sometimes keep a very close eye on their children, their emails even, their Facebook even, their phones even, what they wear, who they talk to, their phone conversations, right? Many times, why? Not because they don't trust their children, but because they don't trust other people. So they want the best for their children. They don't want that their children should grow up fearing their parents, but they want that their children should grow up as good people, fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's not that the Prophet ﷺ wanted people to fear him. It's because sometimes the fear of people helps us straighten ourselves up. Like, sometimes we know that class is 9 to 3. For instance, we know that it begins at 9 o'clock and we know we should be there. But if we know that somebody's standing at the door who's not going to let us in or who's going to write our name down or who's going to make us wait until we meet the principal and we get a late note or something like that, then what happens? We become more conscious, more careful. So this is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ advised them that you think I don't see you, I see you. I know how you're performing your prayers. And by the way, these words are very serious. They're very harsh in a way. And he said, "Inni la arakum min wara'i I see you from behind my back. What does this mean? You know, it's like typically students. What do they think that the teacher can't see what we're doing, right? And this is why behind their desks they are sending text messages, or they they have their phones in their hands when they should not have them. And people keep doing these things, thinking that nobody can see me. But they forget that the person who's teaching them is either standing up or they're sitting at a higher level and they can see you. Sometimes even what you're writing. You can see these things. So it doesn't mean that they're standing in front of you and they have knowledge of the unseen and there's a jinn informing them. No. A person who is alert and sensitive, they feel these things, they perceive these things very quickly. Isn't it? They perceive these things very quickly. Like some people, they're very sensitive to the smell of coffee. They will greet someone and they will know that they're coming from a coffee shop. Sometimes that smell is not too strong, but it's still there. And they will notice it and they will ask them immediately, where did you go? Like sometimes my husband, after Isha, he goes for a coffee with his friend or something. And uh, when he comes home, like, yeah, you went somewhere, didn't you? And other people are not that conscious about it, right? So some people have, you know, this sensitivity. But besides that, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, I see you from behind my back. This means that the Prophet ﷺ's vision was not limited to one direction only. The direction that he was facing. Like we can only see in one direction. We can't see in front of us and behind us and on our right and on our left at the same time. Right? We can only see in one direction. But the Prophet ﷺ vision was not limited to one direction only. Rather, he could see in various directions at the same time. How was it possible? Now, scholars have explained this in various ways. First of all, they have said that this was idrak haqiqi, ru'iyatul ayn. This was 
real true perception, meaning he literally, physically perceived things from behind his back even. Just like you would see with your eyes. It wasn't just that he felt things or you know he got those vibes. No, he saw with the eye, just like you would see in front of you, he would see behind him at the same time. And this was, you can say, a unique quality, a unique characteristic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him. Why? Because he was a messenger of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave many unique qualities, characteristics to his messengers. Like Isa alayhi salam. It was miracles basically that he would perform, but he knew what people store in their houses. So how did he know? Did a jinn inform him? No. He had that knowledge. How? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave certain unique qualities, characteristics to his prophets. And this was a quality, this was a strength, you can say, an ability that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was given. To be able to see, not just in one direction, but multiple directions at the same time. And this is why we see that some scholars, they mention this hadith in alamatun nubuwa in the signs of prophethood. When they wrote about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the signs of prophethood, they included this hadith in that section. And this is something that we shouldn't find difficult to understand, especially today. You know, you're driving in one direction, but with a rear view mirror, okay, you can see what's behind you. With three mirrors in front of you, you can see what's behind you. Can't you? You can. You can see what color car is behind you. You can see who's driving it. Right? You can see sometimes what signal they're giving to you. You can see all the, you know, physical gestures, not just of their lights, but physical gestures. You can see. Why? Because there is a mirror in front of you that's showing you what's behind you, so you don't have to turn. Likewise, if you look at a fly, okay, a fly has two eyes that are in front of it. They're not behind it, they're in front of it. But its vision is almost 360 degrees, which means that it can see in front, right, and behind it, all at the same time, which is why you can never swat a fly. You wonder what happens, because it can see. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give this ability to a little fly. I mean, I'm not saying that the Prophet sallallahu eyes were different. Allahu a'lam. But he was given this ability. How? We don't know. We don't know. But he was given this ability. Like there, there are doctors who will check your pulse, just take your temperature, look at you in the eye, just observe your eyes, and will be able to tell what you're suffering from. So does it mean they have knowledge of the unseen or something like that? No. It's just certain unique qualities that they've been given. Whether it's through experience or knowledge, observation, whatever it is. People are gifted at different levels in different ways. She's mentioning that she found out that some people are able to read two pages at the same time. Right? Two pages at the same time. That their eyes are both, meaning each eye is working separately. And they're able to process it in their minds as well. How? Allahu A'lam. Whether it requires training or they're gifted that way, Allahu A'lam. But we see this in people. Normal people are given unique qualities, strengths. So why not a prophet of Allah? And was there some wisdom behind it? Of course, if you can see behind you all the time, you know who's there. You know if someone's going to harm you, going to attack you, it's for your safety. Right, And some scholars have said that he was informed of what was happening behind him through revelation, through wahi. But Allah A'lam, if he said that I see you from behind my back, then we take his words as they are. He said, the Prophet ﷺ, that مَا يَخْفَى عَلَيَّ خُشُوعُكُمْ وَلَا رُكُوعُكُمْ Your khushu' and your ruku' are not hidden from me. Meaning I know it, I see it. So ruku' you know, it's clear. What does it mean by khushu'? Khushur, some scholars actually said here that it refers to sajda. Why? Because khashar is to humble. So the position in which a person really humbles himself is sajda. Rukur is mentioned, what is generally mentioned with rukur? Sujood. Correct? So, warrukka is sujood. Rukur and sujood are generally mentioned together. So some said that khushur over here refers to sujood. And even if it's taken as khushur, khushur, what is it? It is the fear of Allah that is 
felt in the heart obviously, but it is manifested outwardly. Because we learn in a hadith that a man was once touching his beard in the salah. And the Prophet ﷺ said that if his heart had khushur, then لَخَشَعَتْ جَوَارِحُهُ Then his jawarih would also be khashir. So I see your khushur, meaning how fearful you are in your prayer in the manner that you perform the prayer. And whether you are playing with your beard or you're moving too much or you're looking here or there, I see that. And, and when can you see that? When you're looking at a person. So basically he was warning them over here that they should perform their salah properly. They should perform their sajda, their rukur properly, and they should not do extra actions in the prayer. Rather they should fixing hijab, moving too much, looking here and there, yawning with the mouth open. Yawning is contagious. It's a very important point you brought up that we learned earlier that a person should not spit in front of him during the prayer. Why? Because his Lord is before him. Now this means that other disrespectful actions should not be done either. Whether it's yawning with your mouth open, okay, or yawning excessively, or looking here or there, or even if you have to sneeze, don't sneeze in front of you in the way that the spray is literally falling in front of you, right? Control it, bend down, do it towards the left. Just think about it. What actions would you not like to see from a person who is facing you? Don't do that in salah. Because Allah is in front of you during your prayer. So anything that's disrespectful, we should avoid it. Some people they have a habit of, unfortunately, playing with their face or their eyes or their nose during the prayer or scratching themselves here, there, constantly. Control yourself a little bit. And tell yourself it's only a few minutes. Like if you are talking to somebody and you have an urgent need to even scratch yourself, what do you do? You tell yourself it's only a few minutes. You have an urgent need, but you control it. So likewise in the salah, control yourself. حدثنا يحيى بن صالح قال حدثنا فليح بن سليمان عن هلال بن علي عن أنس بن مالك قال صلى بنا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة He said the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم prayed with us a prayer ثم رقي المنبر and then he ascended the member فقال so he said في الصلاة وفي الركوع in the salah and in the ركوع إني لأراكم من ورائي indeed I see you from behind me, kama arakum, just like I see you now. Meaning, during the prayer, fissalati, and when bowing down. And also, during rukur. Inni la arakum. I see you, min warai, kama arakum. Now. I see you from behind me, like I see you now. Because we would think that if somebody is, is in prayer, they're doing qiyam, they're facing a particular direction, and we know, that when we're praying salah, we should only be looking at the place of sajda, and the Prophet ﷺ would be the one to do that most, then he has no idea of what's happening behind him. But he said that, no, I see you. So be careful. Be conscious. It's like, you know, children, they know that mom is praying, she's not going to move, she's not going to say anything, so do whatever you want to. So we should not behave like children. That just because... An older person, an adult person, an imam, whoever, they're busy praying, so let's talk about whatever we want to and let's behave however we want to. No. Observe the proper etiquette of the masjid and perform the salah properly as well. And some scholars have said that this was not just limited in the prayer that he could see behind himself. Because it says, فِي الصَّلَاةِ وَفِي الرُّكُورِ إِنِّي لَأَرَاكِ مِنْ وَرَائِي كَمَا أَرَاكُمْ This should not be misunderstood that this was only in the salah. No, it was also outside of salah that he could see behind his back. Remember, a narration we learned earlier, that the Prophet ﷺ, when he would walk, he wouldn't look back. Hmm? When he would walk, he wouldn't look back. And we discussed the wisdom behind that. That why wouldn't he look back? But of the reasons is that he could see behind him. He didn't need to look back. How? Allahu A'lam. And it has also been said, uh, Baqi bin Makhlad, he said that, uh, he narrated that the Prophet ﷺ, he would see in the dark like a person sees in bright daylight. Right? Which is why uh, when he would be praying salah, in the night it would be so dark. But he would pray. Aisha anha couldn't tell when he would be coming in ruku or in sajda. 
which is why he would have to bat her, but he could see. Allahu alam. But this is what some scholars said about him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That it happens that if there is a person who is, you know, elderly or, or worthy of respect, and if we are around them, we become so careful in the manner that we talk, in what we talk about. Not that we have to become fake or we have to become pretentious. No. You have to be sensitive and you have to be courteous. And don't talk about things that will disturb them. So when it's with people, then why not with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That let's focus our thoughts and our actions. That when a person is praying salah, then his Lord is before him. When a person is making dua, then فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ This is how much attention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to a person when he remembers him, when he prays to him, when he makes dua. So let's pay attention to Allah as well and not do anything that is disrespectful at that time. Recently, I was in a, a public place, so I happened to go to the washroom over there. And there was a woman standing in front of the mirror. And she looked perfectly fine. Really well dressed, her hair, her clothes, everything was fine. I, I couldn't see any flaw in it. But she spent at least three minutes, okay, and three minutes are long, just making sure that everything was perfect. I don't know if she was going to apply for a job over there or she was going to meet somebody, because I, I didn't see a reason for her to do that. She was just making sure that she was fine, looking from every angle, even from behind, turning around, looking from every angle, making sure her hair, even her shirt, she was making sure it was tucked in properly and the creases were coming out properly. Her curls, everything. Things that we don't even notice. But she was so particular about them. Why? Must have been someone important that she was going to meet, whoever it was, for whatever reason. So when we go before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's more of a reason to behave properly and nicely. That if a person is coughing, then sometimes with the cough, you know, some saliva or some phlegm may come out. And you shouldn't cough in your hand or in front of somebody, but rather in your sleeve. And again, not the right one. What's the proper etiquette? Left one. So let's start this habit now. Okay, that if we have to sneeze, blow our nose or whatever, let's do it on our left, inshallah. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته